0: Baseball, my name is Tony Sincata, and of course, you got draft season going on. Now, to keep things in context, you want to make sure you've listened to yesterday's show, and that will uh, get you all fired up, and that was about drafting pitching late, and then we're gonna have a continuation of this. And when you talk about pitching, a lot of us will talk about in rotisserie style baseball closers, closers, closers. So I told you in yesterday's podcast that I waited on pitching it did not select a pitcher the fifth round and actually liked uh, my pitching staff, how it came out, and was able to bring offensive balance to the team. Now, just in case you didn't listen to that and you don't follow instructions, I'll uh, give you a quick recap of how that went. In the first round, I went Alex Bregman, second round, Nolan Arenado, so I got two big, big, big bats there. And as I talked about in an earlier podcast, Alex Bregman, He's a guy that's sliding down drafts, went to at least 24th in one F- NFBC draft. And this guy's a top six or seven talent, whether he knows what pitch is coming or not. Uh, Jonathan Villar in round three, Chris Bryant round four. The first picture I picked uh, in round five. And when I was waiting and decided I was going to wait, I was hoping that Noah Syndergaard or Hugh Davis would fall to me or both. And Syndergaard made it to me. And we're going to use Syndergaard there in round five. Looking for a turnaround season from him. And in the sixth round, I went Tyler Glass. Now, a guy that's a two-pitch pitcher in Tampa, but high strikeout totals. Working on some pitches, and I think you'll see him take the next step. And he's already a pretty good pitcher in himself. Uh, then I went Lewis Robert in round seven. Sonny Gray in round three. So I have three starters, no closes through through, through eight rounds. And then I went Fran Mill Reyes. He's a guy I really like this season, and I didn't want to wait. ADP has him going around 10. I drafted him around 9. Then is the point where I decided I would go with another pitcher, a starting pitcher uh, that I really liked. had huge strikeout totals in the second half of the season last year, Denelson Lamette of San Diego Padres. So we're through 10 rounds. Um, I'm actually the first pick in the 10th round. So I'm in the 10th round. I don't have any closers yet. And then a closer run comes off the board. Brad Hand goes in round 10. Ken Giles goes in round 10. Edwin Diaz goes in round 10. You know what's interesting about Edwin Diaz? I'm interested to see if that team that drafted him goes Dylan Potentius a little later in the draft. Because I think there's a decent shot there's going to be at least a 30% shot that if Diaz doesn't get it done like he last year and he hasn't pitched that well uh, in the spring, that maybe the Mets make the move and go to a guy that's dominating and Dylan Batanches staying to round out their bullpen. Um, So I'm interested there, and I think if you want to take a stab and you don't have a close situation that you like late in the draft, uh, a Tanchis is going to be the way to go. Even if he doesn't get the close role, he's going to put up strong K numbers uh, he's going to not have an eye, ERA or whip, so you can go there. So those clothes go off the board after I pick Lamette. Hand, Giles, Diaz, Kenley, Jansen, Hector Neris. Then go to round 11, which I have the last pick. And for all you people out there, I have the 12th pick in this draft. Um, I got to ask the question, what pick would you want to be? We get to choose. I want to be in the middle, 5, 6, or 7. And here's the reason why. If you pick back-to-back, either 1st or 12th, you get those 25 picks before it comes back to you. And if you're in a run situation like this, you might get left out uh, in the the dust. Remember, if you play in a a high-stakes league, there is no trading, so you got what you got. Uh, But we'll see how this plays out. So Hector Neris goes. Then a guy that I love coming into the year, right? I mentioned Kenley Jansen goes. Craig Kimbrell, another guy I like, goes. Rasiel Iglesias goes. So it's coming to me, and I see all these closers come off the board. And I'm saying, do I have to go two closers now, or should I go one closer? And the the closers that I'm looking at with my pick in the 11th round now is Brandon Workman, who I have no idea why Brandon Workman is still on the board. Uh, this is a guy that pitched lights out for the Boston Red Sox last year. They have a change in manager, of course, Ron Redicky, but he was the bench coach last year. So this guy is going to be there, and he knows what's going on with the organization, and he's not going to see a bunch of changes. His K-9 last year was 13.06. His ERA 1.88. Now, I guess the skeptic will go back to the 2018 season and see that Workman has a caper nine of 8.06, and he had an ERA of 3.27. And actually, some of the uh, some of the uh, projection systems out there have this guy within the IRA of the mid-3s, but getting anywhere from 28 to 32 saves and go from there. And you look at that and you see last year a dominating number and a high. K per nine, jump out, and you say, Tony, how does this guy go from one extreme to the next? And I'll tell you what, one thing he did was keep the ball on the ground more than he ever has. He had a 51% ground ball rate last year and a 44% in 2018, 43% in 2017. So one of the keys to success is, was Brandon Workman actually keeping the ball on the ground last season. And the one thing that you look at is the overuse of the curveball, which he has in the past. His fastball he'll use 33% of the time in 2019. The curveball 47% of the time. And the cutter 19% of the time. So basically, this guy went off speed 66% of the pitches out of the bullpen. What we usually see in Major League Baseball is guys coming in fire away, but you even go back to Hall of Famer Mariano Rivera and he used the cutter exclusively. Uh, Well, he has some cutter in his repertoire at nineteen percent, but forty-seven percent curveball. In two thousand eighteen, he started using that uh, with thirty-six percent of the time, and then he refined it and made it a better pitch. And Brandon Workman's there, but my thought process at this time is. Do I go too close? We just saw a run, so here's where experience actually pays off in drafting. And no draft is the same, so I could have made a mistake here, but I didn't. So I see that Robles is still on the board uh, from the Angels. Joe Jimenez, who a guy in the earlier podcast that I absolutely love uh, this season, is still on the board, and Sean Doolittle. Who uh, is on the board? Who I don't love, but he is a closer. And Anderson is still on the board. If you're there, so I just pick one of those now, or gamble a little. Archie Bradley was still on the board as well. So I decided to go with a catcher. In two catcher leagues. I don't want to have ha- holes at both catchers, so I went Salvador Perez. Uh, definitely one of the top hitting catchers back in baseball. Hopefully he's going to DH at first base a little, keep himself healthy. So I went Perez, and after that, uh, the closers that went off the board were Archie Bradley, Hanson Robles, and Joe Jimenez made it back to me. Now, here is why I gambled. I looked at each, when it came to my pick, I looked at each team, and I saw how many teams had two closers, and it was 10 out of the 12 teams. One of those teams was me. So there was only one other team that I worried about picking a closer at that situation, thinking they weren't going to go for three. Most people that have three, and I like to have three closers, usually grab a guy late that's a speculative closer. So I knew that, and that's why I gambled there. And it's crazy because the team that needed another closer, they were the one uh, that picked Archie Bradley, and one other team went for a third closer there. But I had four options there Uh, Joe Jimenez was the guy I was going to draft and I talked about Jimenez in an earlier podcast and how this guy has huge strikeout potential and of course he walks a little too many as players get a little older uh, they gain more control of their pitches and of course refine their art so Jimenez is a guy that I look for big things and I told you, and I'm repeating this again uh, for the people that listen every day, the worst team in baseball, the worst team in baseball is going to win 60 games and lose 102. That's the absolute worst. Now, this team could be the worst, but I don't know about it. I mean, the San Francisco Giants look pretty bad. Pittsburgh Pirates look pretty bad. But Let's just use this as an example. 60 wins, this guy's going to have a chance to get 30 saves. Even if they only win 60 games. So don't worry about when a guy's on a bad team or a good team. When you're looking at closers, just go with the guys that you think that can pitch. Go with the guys that you think you can pitch. Now, Here, of course, is from Fangraphs and Paul Spora. Joe Jimenez, once he took over the ninth for Shane Green on July 34th, 31st, there is no July 34th. It is leap year, but we don't add three days to July in leap year. It would be interesting, but we don't. It is crazy. Why do we add a day in February? Why? If we're going to add a day to the year, why not make it in June, July, and August when the weather's better. Who we'll picked February? Now I'm going to get a bunch of emails saying I'm an idiot and I don't know why they do it in February, but it won't be the first time or the last time. But I would like to move that to July. He was tied for the ninth most saves with nine. Fan 30% of the batters he faced. But had a 1.45 whip and a ho- 1.9. Home run per nine. So that's two home runs per nine innings. But that, to me, is an opportunity. Because he's never going to let out more than two home runs per nine innings. He's not. His talent is too much. So we drop that number in half. That corrects my whip. That corrects my ERA. And the tools are there for him and this. All right? He's striking out 30% of the bat as he faces. And then I waited. I didn't jump in on the run. So, lesson be learned. If you see a run in your draft and your pick comes up and you want to go all in and join the run, you can do it. Or you need to look at the rosters of every team and see if you think they're going to go back that position again because then you might be able to wait a round or two and get that player you're going to pick there and create more value in your draft and that's exactly what it's about so there you have it a closer run do you jump in do you wait you have to look at the rosters of each and every team so when you're in drafts the lesson to be learned is don't just focus on your roster. At a point in the draft, you're going to have to see what other teams have on their roster to make a hypothesis on your next few picks and who will be able to drop to you. Tony Ciccata, good morning, Fantasy Baseball. We'll talk to you on Wednesday.